to ease us in, Jack, I was, I've always wondered, your name is Jack Daniels. Do people yes. give you do people give you a lot of guff, a lot of crap over that? Or Abs- absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's. Do you enjoy? I have the drink that you share a name <sighs> with. No, not at all. <laughs> it's pretty terrible, actually. Um, my my parents played a pretty sick joke on me when I was very young. When they were naming me, funnily enough, and a. I'm now called Jack Daniels. The funny thing about that, actually, is it's played to my benefit a few times in my life. Okay. Job interviews, they tend to remember my name. Mm. Um, But then if I do something bad, they also tend to remember my name. Um, It's win-lose, never win-win, particularly. (laughs) There was actually a crazy circumstance. Um, I was at a job agency, sat next to this guy. I didn't speak to him at all. I didn't know who he was. And there, the person who worked for the job agency came out and said, Jack Daniels, and we both stood up. I, lo- I looked at him. I said, no way. And he said, your name's Jack Daniels. I said, yeah, my name's Jack Daniels. I hugged him. <laughs> I just had to. Like, it's just, I'm never yeah. going to have this opportunity again. Yeah. It was just... At that point, my life could have been over, but I'm still here. So did you uh, rock, paper, scissors to see who went in first? So it was actually him, unfortunately. Um, But just, I could have left and had as good an experience. That was... That, that, That never happened again, and it never will happen again. I'm certain of it. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Hello and welcome back to Lather Talk. I'm your host, John, a.k.a. Lather Hog. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Gerard, a.k.a. Hey, Gerard Shaves. Hey, what's up, everyone? And on today's episode, we have a very special guest. We've been talking about doing this for quite a while and finally able to get our schedules lined up. It is none other than Jack. You might know him from his YouTube channel, The Virtual Groom Room or other various content that he has created. He is very prolific. Jack, thank you for coming on to Lather Talk, and welcome. That was quite the intro. I've never been called prolific before, but I'll take it. Absolutely take it. <laughs> thank you, you for lots, having me, guys. You make, Just don't ask it. you make lots of content. <laughs> like, I, I, I used to make loads, but now I've kind of like toned that back a bit, but uh, we'll go but, with prolific. Uh, so, Jack, you know, off the top, we mentioned the YouTube channel. When did you start your YouTube channel and how did you, how did you get started in the whole thing? So it's funny because um, I kind of, well, I, I was wet shaving for a little bit of time before I started the channel. I'd done it on and off for a couple of years prior to starting the YouTube channel and frankly wasn't paying much attention to what I was doing. Um, like I'd, I'd shave with a double-edged razor and then shave with a cartridge razor sometimes and I'd kind of, I'd switch in between. And until I got kind of somewhat proficient with a double-edged razor, that I only then realized how little I enjoyed that cartridge experience. Um, I then started a YouTube channel in 20, 2018. Um, it must have been, I think it was June of 2018. Mm. And at that time, like I was somewhat proficient in just the technique required to do it. And uh, so, yeah. So the YouTube channel started in June 2018, and then I've been doing it on and off, really, for a year or two before. Got it. And was there a catalyst or something that sparked going from, okay, you know, you're into traditional or wet shaving to, um, well, I guess you said you dabbled in in YouTube first. But at some point, you know, it, it became a very regular, very focused endeavor. It, it, did, did something happen to kind of make that change? It, it was more of a gradual thing. I think it was mm. more of the case that this is something I enjoy doing. Um, it was very much the case of finding what worked for me at first, because I don't, I personally feel I don't have the personality to just stand there and talk to the camera. Um, there are lots of people that do that really well. Like a Kevy shaves does that very well. Paul H does that very well. Ken surfs does that very well. I don't have the ability to just stand there and not talk about much for 20, 30 minutes. Um, As far as kind of like what I'm actually doing and shaving, 
they have the ability to just talk about their lives and people love that, but I couldn't really do that. So it was about finding what worked for me. And it was mainly like the nerdiness of shaving is really what worked for me. Like explaining how I do things. I've always been quite good at kind of articulating like the methodology behind stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's something that definitely worked for me. And I, I, to be honest, I still do that now. Um, every video, I pretty much talk through the same lathering technique I do for 10 minutes a video. And I have people still every video saying that was helpful. So I'm going to continue doing that until no one finds it helpful anymore. But uh, yeah, it was about finding kind of what worked for me. And as soon as I found that, and I started getting a lot more interaction, because when I started, th there was really little interaction. Like now there's like a core of like solid viewers. Back mm -hmm. then, really the only people that were viewing like YouTube shaving videos were on the larger channels, like Michael Friedberg, as I said, Ken Surfs, Kevy Shaves. Pro probably the first half a year to a year, I was having very little interaction on my videos and it was mainly just making them because it's something I wanted to do. But then as soon as I started getting the bounce back from the community, I really enjoyed that and that spurred me on to do more. Frankly, I think a lot of my audience now is due to the fact that I've spent stupid amounts of money on the hobby <laughs> and they see <laughs> me spend stupid amounts of money and they're like, this is interesting. I wonder how he's going to find that stuff. We don't, we and can't then, uh, really relate to you in that regards either. <laughs> I'm not surprised, man. Like, uh, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, then you are, you're either you probably one of us. Too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Or you want to be. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. if you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance that you have bought or you're, you're about to buy some piece of $100 uh, shaving gear. <laughs> like, you've, I, you've hit that threshold. You're going to spend $100 on a razor, on a brush or something. <laughs> now, if that is the case, what razors should they buy? <laughs> That's the question. Brilliant, brilliant question. I say the Rockwell success. I would say the carve, but I'm not paid to do that anymore. <laughs> so I would say the Rockwell 6C because I think that's the best value for money. Okay. Um, although you can't go wrong with the carve. <laughs> I was trying, I, I was trying to spend all the money. I was trying to spend all the money in this scenario. <laughs> so. Fair enough. Yeah. I Fair mean, $100 like on, on the button. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I would normally say like Rockwell, if you could like find the plate that you want, you know, you're, you're good. Sure, yeah. I, I'd also put Game Changer 0.84. Oh, yeah. Yes, or, that has or, to be the, I haven't, the I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't used the new Lupo, but, you know, but yep. yeah, John loaned me his, his 0.84. I mean, I'm just like, this thing's a steal, you know, for. It's crazy, months. isn't it? Like how the, the face fail is that of high-end razors. Um, it's it's an absolute bargain for what you're getting is the package. To be honest, they've done they've consistently done that for the last few years. Just make incredibly good products at almost unbeatable prices. Yep. So yeah, th the game changer has to be there for, for me. It goes in no particular order. Game changer, uh, the Rockwell, kind of any of them really. Mm -hmm. They all they're all fitable and they're carved brass i think the stainless is probably a bit too expensive and then you have like loads of what i would describe as kind of like larger mass scale razors that also do the job but then you could also go to places like magards or west coast shaving and pick up razors there that are perfectly good and will last you a really long time for a fraction of the price of pretty much all the ones we just mentioned so mm -hmm. i would still you know. i even tell people like 34c is yeah. still a great razor it, shaves, it is. It, yes. it shaves really well. It's not the hipster razor, though, is it? Mm, no. Yeah. But you won't get hate <laughs> on it. I don't. You like, if, if, if you're hating the 34C, then like you really are just like you're like the shittiest shaving purist ever. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you hate on the 34C, yeah, you like you hate shaving and everything it represents because <laughs> everyone started with this thing. Well, half people started with a D89, and half the yes. people started with the 34C. Yep. Are there rivalries within those two groups, or does everyone just think, "No, you started with a good razor, but mine's better," sort of thing? <laughs> Who knows, right? I don't, I don't think there's a rivalry. At least, I, I would check the forums. That that's where something like that would happen. 
yeah, those those forums. That's and perfectly. if there was a rivalry, it's been killed by whatever's the latest, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Instagram social media razor out right now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably that is, right. That is where things have evolved. That's true. You know what? Actually, the way, I really liked how you characterized uh, your approach. Maybe because I really jive, and that's kind of how I approach my my own stuff. Is where yeah. uh, to keep focus. There's there's something we're gonna talk about. Most likely, it's gonna be a product, a razor, a brush, a soap, or some combination of that, right? And that's kind of where I lead because how I don't know if you were this way, Jack, and uh, I'd love to hear how it was. But your viewing habits, right? Once you start making content you really have to be choosy because you just don't have time to be watching everything necessarily. I know some, uh, some people who watch shaving YouTube are really great, really committed to it. And, you know, God bless you guys. Cause oh, sure. you, you are what keep, what keeps the content creators going. But uh, just the way I always viewed stuff was like, if I'm researching a purchase, whether that is the hundred dollar raise we're just talking about or, or some some other thing. I do research, like you know, just like I do I do with any technology, or even a video game. I was like, okay, let's you know, these two or yeah. three people, uh, I, I really respect their opinion. Let me check them out. Um, would you, does that kind of describe how how you engage with YouTube on when you're a viewer, or um, is there some other model that you that you would characterize your viewing habits? So it's difficult because. Like when it comes to like let's say for uh, let's say for example um, more recently I bought that titanium blackbird. Um, I have friends that I trust their opinions. I'll reach out to them first if they don't have anything definitive. I will kind of outsource that. Um, as far as kind of like my viewing habits, most of it is kind of like the more laid back content. To be honest with you, like not the hyper focused product driven content. Okay, because. I, I've almost formed my own opinions on what I like and what I want to use. I don't, I feel I don't need to watch reviews for me to understand is this for me or is this not for me? Mm. Um, most, most of my viewing really are people kind of, as I alluded to earlier, that can just talk about their life for a while. And hmm. I then gravitate onto a personality or something. It's funny because you wouldn't generally assume that with the personality I have, but uh, as far as like, product reviews go I, I just don't use it for that to be honest i don't think i've ever used it for that okay i mean that, that makes sense i think there's a yeah. lot of uh in, in the shaving space at least right i i think overwhelming majority it is personality driven so you for definitely sure. you definitely you know what i mean like you have so many choices um if, if that's the uh that's, a, that's the angle that you're taking yeah i mean as far as kind of like the the bigger channels, I'd say they're kind of more focused around that. Mm. Um, you've got, but then you have, I'd say that there are channels like my personal favorite YouTube channel. And if he does listen to this, he's probably going to, I'm probably going to grow his head a little bit. It's Michael Friedberg. He was one of the first guys I started watching. Yeah. And it was his incredibly dry dad humor <laughs> mixed with just an idea on how to articulate things that really got me into the idea of making videos because I was well, he's having the time of his life doing what he's doing. I'm, I want to do that too. And uh, that's where you get a bit of both, like the, the degree of personality and then the kind of a lot of the product focus driven stuff, like near the end, well, not really near the end. I think he was doing that kind of like weekly cycle of products that I think can become a bit arduous for the most part, but mm. ultimately he was a good balance of the two, but then I think you get the other end of the spectrum, like Ken surfs, he could use anything and he'd get 10,000 views a video because he spoke about a pinball machine and people love it. If that's your jam and that's what works for you, you latch onto that and you make content focused around that because if people are responding well to it, play on it. Like it, it's really yeah. not a problem. Um, and I think the way, I'd say it's like kind of product focused. Then you get Rudd's like Rudd's is so product focused. Like he's one end of the spectrum. Y yes. Where yeah. um, I'd say you, John have a balance, a little bit of a balance as well. Not like a hundred percent product focused, mm -hmm. but predominantly product focused. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting balance, I think. And I think uh, 
once once people find kind of what's works works for them, that you then see kind of a channel lift off typically. I guess kind of piggybacking off of that, Jack, if what what would what piece of advice would you give someone who's thinking about starting their own YouTube channel uh, in the shaving space? Spend as much money as you can. It helps. <laughs> I'm joking, obviously. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, obviously. Uh, ultimately, at first, I highly recommend you make the videos you want to make because if you start buying stuff to make videos, that becomes a problem really quickly. And I think we'll probably go on that a bit later. Um, ultimately just enjoy the videos you make and the people that are supposed to find you will find you. I'm, mm. I'm really of that opinion because we have a really small community here. It's a niche community to where there aren't loads of people like this isn't Fragcom, which is much larger than here. You're going to get found by the people that need to find you. So just do what you enjoy and, uh, go from there. Mm. And I know that's a, that, I, that might be a fence sitting answer because it's not a definitive way to do something. But really, it is the best way because if you start doing things, modeling after someone else, and that might not quite fit the personality you have or the approach you want to sustain, I think it will just get stale eventually. And ultimately, I think you should be making the videos you want to make. And that lends itself to the sustainability aspect as well. I, I would uh, add on to your, your first answer about buying as much product as you can. Uh, but if you can't buy, borrow. Because sure. like you said, it, you, this, community is, way. this community is so small enough and, you know, um, people are more than uh, generous enough to just like loan you something, you know, um, yeah. as long as you're not like a total, you know, douchebag about, about stuff. <laughs> I, but, I, I but, found the same thing as well. You're yeah. right. So, um, and that can get you off, you know, squared away right away. Like some people can't, you know, uh, don't want to drop a hundred dollars on every razor, or everything, no. that, you know, that happens. So pass arounds are good. Making friends is good. And, <laughs> but, but then again, I, I'd, I'd also argue, um, even if you don't want to spend that money, that utilitarian shaver, there's still a place for you as well, because there's lots of us that are crazy in like the hobbyist space. Um, there, there are some guys that dabble in kind of like the more utilitarian stuff, but ultimately, mm-hmm. I think if you do that well, you have even larger mass appeal because most of the artisan stuff is solely focused around the US and certain mm. parts of Europe. If you can use products that are accessible to the rest of the world, you're providing a lot of value, especially if you're explaining how you got them, the price, that would appeal to more people than using a $40 soap, in my opinion. There are a couple of people that come to mind in terms of, like, and in, in you're right, like people like, like I, I think Ken has over ten thousand subscribers now. Um, uh, Paul H and Kevy are yeah. are around there too. Um, and but I've talked about this with John and other YouTubers, specifically like international ones. Um, do you know who Luca is? Luca Denaro. He's an Italian yeah. wet shaver. I do. Um, yeah. His his channel's completely in Italian, but he has like thirty thousand. So you know subscribers That's damn cool right and then there's another person i forgot his name off the top of my head maybe we'll add it later um and i don't particularly see him involved in the community but he'll buy like off the shelf stuff like the king c gillette that was in the the drugstores and um other things and he has like again like maybe fifty thousand subscribers with just general products but then it that that is to say that i think it's unarguably those are the products that are most accessible to people mm-hmm. therefore the lay person and I, I use lay person in the sense that they're not ultimately part of the niche community or the like hobbyist community right they see those products and they wonder what they are right and that could be the gateway to getting them into a community like ours so really there's no discrimination of gear from my perspective i think everything has a place definitely mm. for sure So you've already alluded to uh, a little bit about kind of like how uh, acquisition of gear, especially as a content creator, it can snowball out of control. Now yeah. you, you've, again, you know, you've been making videos since 2018, very, uh, very steadily. And I know that 
uh, you know, a few months ago, you did a very big purge of your collection. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if you can walk us to, and, and you, you've, uh, for those who uh, subscribe and follow your content, probably know a little bit of the story already, but um, for those, uh, if it might be the first time hearing, can you kind of uh, uh, just bring us through the point where you realize, okay, something's got to change as far as like the whole, the whole acquisition thing. And then I'd also love to hear how that process was, like the difficulties of it, or maybe it was really easy, whatever the case may be of thinning out a, a very, you know, a, a very full collection? So that, I think that's a really good question because I wasn't really thinking about it at first, kind of as I was amassing all of this stuff, it was, oh, mm-hmm. this is great. I'll use it once and I'll put it aside. And we'll t- I'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, it happened again and again and again and again until I had about 140 soaps and I was moving. And that's really when you understand how much stuff you have when you're moving because it can't just stay there. You need to pack it up, right? So I was packing this stuff up and I looked at these two huge Costco boxes and I said, why? Like really how many times have I used most of this stuff? It was pretty much, unless it was things that I really like, Mm -hmm. it was pretty much one use and done. Some of the stuff that was there I hadn't even used. (laughs) And uh, I'm and I'm serious. I was talking like 20 soaps I hadn't used. And I was looking at it and I was like, something needs to change, but I need to move. I'll deal with that. I then took a little bit of break from making videos. So I didn't really need to ultimately focus on that new stuff so much. And then I was using things kind of while I while I wasn't making the videos that I was that I knew I enjoy. I then started making videos again slowly. And then I realized I should get rid of some of this. And then it came to the point with, okay, so what scale do I want to start getting rid of this? Because really, if I was being sensible, I'd leave myself with very few items because in in my brain, is it, if I need to consider, would I be willing to use this every day and only this for me to keep it? And that made me make some, what I defined as some really tough decisions because I ended up getting rid of stuff that was either really rare that I had gotten because it was rare and it it looked good for a video and ultimately it was a complete waste of money from my perspective or it was good when I first used it, but it wasn't something that I'd ultimately want to use every day. Mm. So then I got rid of probably about 110 soaps which is a lot. Yeah. And uh, I then decided to, okay, so what soaps do I want to keep? To be honest, I got rid of some stuff that I would say I love, but I don't love enough to keep around. Mm. And uh, I, I was there then with about 15 soaps. I, I actually have more now. You can see kind of that behind me. Yeah. That's small compared to what I had before. Um, is, is that like your collection currently in, in, in its entirety? Yeah. Okay. That's the entire collection there. So Bravo, bravo, man. Um, <laughs> uh, so from 110 down to that, and now I have a rule that if I buy anything new, I have to get rid of something. Mm. Um, so then I got rid of everything, and then it was, I only have 10 soaps. Like, And then it was focusing on what I enjoy most about wet shaving. Ultimately, it was variety, because I was shaving with the same thing all the time, and it was like, I love this thing a lot, but there were also loads of other things I love, but I need to be smart about how I buy things again. So I, I don't impulse buy at all anymore. If I have the idea of I want to buy something, I will sit on it for a week before I purchase it pretty much. And uh, it might sell out, it might not, but that's kind of how I'm trying to approach it. I'm trying to give it some time because before long, that's the same problem. And I don't really want to have to deal with that again because honestly... There are there's so many choices in this hobby now as far as like soaps, razors, brushes. And like I, I wasn't buying kind of like mid-range to low range to top range. Pretty much everything I was buying was really expensive. And in my head, I saw everything there as what that money could have been. I could have put a down payment on a car with that money. Oh, like I, I'm not even exaggerating, dude. Like I got rid of straight razors that amassed to about $4,000. Um, the soaps made an additional 
maybe fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So I, I I put in serious money and I wasn't really getting anything out of it because nothing was getting use. Mm-hmm. So then it was the case of scaling everything down and really focusing on what I want. And uh, I think I have that now. I, I'm I am probably going to get rid of some more stuff. Um, and another benefit of being a kind of like a wet shaving YouTuber is I I don't always have to pay for stuff I get. So people people send me stuff to review or what's your impressions on this the way i'm going to approach that now is i'm just going to give that stuff away because i just don't want it sitting around because then the problem happens again (laughs) um because even if it even if i didn't pay for it it's still there not being used when someone else could use that uh same as same for razors like i had multiple expensive rare razors that weren't really getting some use when if i put it into perspective i probably use three or four razors and that's it um straights like i said were the same thing so it was really about narrowing down quite what i wanted to get from it and then start to gradually build a smaller collection again because mm-hmm. I, I really started from scratch like i maybe had 10 unscented soaps um, of bases wow. that I really like. Yeah. And then it was, okay, let's start adding a bit more variety in here, but it needs to be things that I would consider using every day. And pretty much everything I have now is I would consider using every day. Wow. Uh, do you have a, like a number in mind as far as a cap or, uh, is there, I mean, cause I think the whole, like, if one comes in, one's gotta leave or you know, whatever the case, whatever order that happens yeah. in is a really good, uh, really good rule to have in place, but then you mentioned rebuilding, so like you have some headroom, in you know, yeah. and, and, and especially compared to 150, this is like very lean and mean. But do, do you still have like a cap of like 50 or or anything like that, or is that is there a flexibility in that? So it, it depends because I I feel for my personality, if if there's flexibility, I will still go overboard. That's just <laughs> that's just the that's me, the me too. personality me too. I have. <laughs> So I need to have something rigid. And for me, my, my rigid is about 40. Okay. Um, I have quite a lot of older stuff, like uh, stuff that I bought at the start that I hadn't got rid of because frankly, the resale value is not loads of money and it holds a degree of sentimental value for me. So I don't really want to get rid of that. So I don't really add that onto it, but uh, I will flutter around that 40 point. And if, I, if it goes over 40, I will get rid of something. Mm. It's it's hard because you're then like juggling. Yeah. Okay, I like all of this stuff, but do I like that thing I'm bringing in so much that I'm willing to get rid of this? I don't know. And it's a, it's a good question to ask yourself when you don't want to go over the overboard, because the idea of having to get rid of something to attain something can be quite difficult, and you yeah. might just not not want to face it to begin with. Yeah. So, if you know what I mean. I mean, I think that that approach also just disciplines you already because like you said sure. if you don't do that then you're going to end up with another 140 soaps all over again you and know, it will happen yeah and it can happen pretty quick like and i remember so, when when i first started sorry to interrupt you there gerard but when i first started i had i had that cap i i had that cap and it it slowly transpired to that cap getting bigger and bigger until the cap was only really a soft cap and it didn't really exist anymore. <laughs> so you, you've got to make tough decisions. And to, to someone not in the hobby that don't hold these things in high regard, tough decisions of not using soap sounds absolutely bananas. But if you, if you have a, if it gives you a feeling when you're using it or you enjoy using that product, getting rid of it could suck. And I got rid of some stuff that I really enjoyed because I didn't love it, if you get what I mean. And mm-hmm. I, I agree with your point there. It's uh it can it can get overboard real quick. And I say that because as someone, you know, um, with what I would classify as an addictive personality, I mean, just especially if it's you know, if you're if you're able to get it, you just think it's like a harmless thing, right? You know, you yeah. get it here and there. And all of a sudden, yeah, you have 150 
you know, soaps. And, and I know half of our listeners are probably like, like, oh my God, that's so much. And other people are just like 150 amateur, you know, <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah. And, and, but, um, but yeah, like otherwise what, what is the cap? What's, you know, what's the real, um, what's the real limit to what you're just, otherwise you're just a hoarder, you know? Right. To a degree. Yeah. Because I think if you're not using that stuff, it's just there. It's just collecting dust. Um, and you buy soap really to use it. It's mm-hmm. not the sort of thing that you can sit there in ages like wine. Like if you're not using it, it's pretty useless. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just cut it, cut it loose in my opinion. That's kind of where I've landed to anyway. Yeah. And, and I probably want to get there. I'm, I'm not at, a, I don't have a hundred, like I probably in my history have, you know, had at least that or whatever. I probably have about 70 or 80 at the moment. And, but I think like every three months, every six months, I kind of just like go through, just like look at everything. I'm like, if I have not touched this in six months, it should go in the chopping block. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Right? I think just, that's sensible. Yeah. And, and, um, and there are a few where I've kept just because like some maybe like faux sentimental, you know, reason and stuff like that. But for the most part, yeah. Um, and it also reminds me that I'm, I'm due to do that again soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, like every three months, six months, you know, just kind of take a look. If you literally have not used it, you're just like, oh, I forgot I had this in the first place. Yeah, probably should, you know, just put it up. Yeah. Uh, put it up for sale or, or, or whatever, you know, uh, give it give it to someone that'll that'll use it. And someone will take it off of you. I found oh. that. Like, oh. <laughs> if you, even if you're not selling something that's described as like unobtainium or rare, people will mm-hmm. buy it because they see it come up and they're like, oh, this is interesting. I want that. But most of us share that trait. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, people, and especially if you say stuff like, oh, free shipping, sale, <laughs> buy, you know, yeah. buy two, get free shipping or whatever. Those bu- buzzwords. Though that's yeah, it. And, and that's sure. it. That's it. I mean, I can, I, I can safely say, I primarily sell my stuff on Reddit. Um, and, you know, like I'll put like maybe 10 items or so per, per time. But I, I would say that nothing, everything's gone within 36 hours. Yeah. Every, yeah, like, it's pretty normal. Yeah. So it's not bad, you know, and it also goes to show that, you know, like we're not getting crap either, you know, like we're getting sure. that, that that is also uh, enjoyable. But I mean, in the hobbyist community, in theory, we're, we're using products made by the people that are truly passionate about what we're using. Mm-hmm. So in theory, everything in that regard should be pretty darn good. Mm. And the hobbyists around this community have an investment in the artisans that are making stuff. So typically people just want to use as kind of as much as they can, unless they've been around for a while and they know truly what they like. And the people will be a bit more considered with the purchases they make. But that's been my experience anyway, for sure. I feel like more stuff has been released during COVID than than like I remember before. Like I feel like you would hear like a few announcements here and there, but I just yeah. feel like people were just dropping stuff left and right, you know. And and if someone dropped something, like the next week someone else was dropping something else new. And it was just and and maybe it's also because um because of more time spent at home, mm. there's probably more attention. Yeah on us to like you know just notice those things but yeah i i feel like um there was definitely no shortage in in 2020 and 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 stuff out there stuff offered uh for for any wet shaver or person in you know in this hobby there's such variety but then what i would also say is there's so much variety that you can really narrow down what you like as well oh yeah um there's something for everyone and uh if whatever you have isn't working for you, move on. Find what you like and stick to it is my advice at this point.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, I, I do love talking shop and especially this hobbyist, like kind of how to be responsible and whatnot. But uh, I think we'd be missing out a lot uh, where another aspect of kind of your your background and how it ties yeah. to, and how it ties into the community. And that is uh, your time of employment with Car Razor Company. Uh, I wonder sure. if you can talk a little bit about that. Uh, I know a, a lot, uh, you're no longer with Car uh, no. currently, but I, I, if you can just talk a little bit uh, when you we're on board kind of a little bit of your responsibilities and um and then where you've moved on since then so that's a good question um i think it's probably better to address kind of why i was put in that position to begin with sure um prior to working for carve i was one of my first kind of like professional jobs was in a a machining shop which lends itself very very much to what carve does uh, the, the company itself manufactured um, motorcycle parts and the motorcycle parts were pretty high grade. Like they'd be made out of really high quality stainless steel and titanium and stuff like that. And uh, before long, I was selling that product to race teams, uh, MotoGP, motocross, stuff like that. And uh, I, I had kind of developed the company I was in to a decent degree, like in terms of the the wholesale customer base and stuff like that. And uh, the company still go around now. They're doing really well. Um, I, I then left that and kind of fast forward in time, like lots of IT positions. So if you think about that job, that's from its infancy is pretty much exactly where Carve was when I joined. Hmm. Um, a very young company solely based around the product they make. Um, I joined with the idea of doing a pretty similar thing. Um, it was my job ultimately to help Chris develop product because I have an understanding of machining. I have an understanding of what you use for certain metals and why. So I, I could in theory help him produce that. I also have experience with using a hell of a lot of stuff in this industry. And that also gives quite a lot of perspective as well. Um, ultimately my job would have been given everything worked out how it was supposed to um, communicating with wholesalers um, landing wholesale accounts, uh, selling to wholesale accounts, frankly, um, being, I guess, customer outreach. Mm. Uh, if you've sent an email to Carve over the past, you know, year and a half and a bit, before September, I would have been the guy answering you. Um, and just kind of, I guess, more of a face of the company because mm. where Chris was there, Chris was very much in the background and kind of did his own stuff. And there was no one saying, hey, guys, we're still here, ever. Like, uh, it was always very quiet. And, like, he always just got on with what he needed to do. And when I was brought on, there was an opportunity for me to say, hey, Carve is a big mainstay of this community. And uh, I guess that was the ultimate goal, really. Um, that's kind of how my previous employment lended to what I was supposed to be doing at Carve, uh, or kind of like the the ultimate ideal situation at Carve. It didn't quite pan out like that. And that's why we're kind of no longer together, so to speak. Um, but the the feeling, I, I love that company. I love the product they make. I love the owner of the company. He's one of the most, he's, he's the perfect balance of really caring about what he's doing and just a good, good guy mm. that uh, he's one of, for me, the bosses I've had that I like the most, I've easily, it's not even a competition. Um, it, it just didn't work out and that's unfortunate, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I move on and I, I've, I've moved on and arguably I've landed in a, a good position pretty much, but uh, no ill feelings towards Carve whatsoever. I still think they make the best safety razor if that helps. My opinion hasn't changed. Well, that's great. I mean, how often, right, do people who are hobbyists, 
just enthusiasts yeah. of of wet shaving and that's definitely a surprise to hear that you had some of you know um with that with that earlier job how the, the machining worked it right just, in, it worked right it into worked that. so well yeah because in in theory if carve was at its point ready to expand it would have lended itself at, like perfectly mm. because at that point i had been in the community long enough to know people to know the different wholesalers to, to kind of to know where to move the product. Um, I mean, it's important to remember, like even within my first couple of months of Carve, mm-hmm. in theory, I got that product into all of the world's continents. That was my aim, was to really grow the brand. Yeah. Uh, there are a few reasons why that couldn't happen. Um, and I completely understand why. And I know that they're, they're doing much better now with the reasons what they were struggling with at the time. Mm. But uh it made sense. And to me, in my head, it still makes sense if the company was ready to grow. But growing pains proved to be a big problem, ultimately, and it just didn't work out because of that. Right, And it was such a unique opportunity, as you said, like a hobbyist to get like a a decently well-paying job. And I, I think a lot of people kind of on the inside that didn't know about the previous background probably looked at me and said, you, you bastard. Like, you... You land that job in this industry. I I can see you. You're not doing very much. You lucky so-and-so. You don't deserve it. I heard it. A lot of people said it to me. And fair enough. Um, you're obviously entitled to your opinion. But ultimately, uh, you would take that job if it was given to you too. That's what I'm going to say. Like, I was always hovering around the hobby. So when I jumped into it, I think you're already there. So I didn't really have any of those like premonitions. I just thought you were the carb guy, <laughs> you know, which was the intention to be honest. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I look, I, I get why. And you, you can include this if you want. I don't really care what people think of me too much, but a lot, a lot of people have preconceived notions that, you know, you're lucky you landed that. I landed that for a sole reason. Like I met Chris. I had a good conversation with Chris. I spoke to Chris a lot before landing that position. Mm. Um, I made forecasts of where the company could go and where I think it could go, providing everything goes well. And uh, there were just things in the way that didn't work. And that happens sometimes. It's, like I said, there's no ill will towards him. And I, I kind of get it. Like from, from the outside, seeing someone, and especially in such a small industry, land a job like that when... I'm in a completely different geographical location to where that company is. Probably seems a bit mental, frankly. Um, I mean, people didn't... I can't speak for people, right? But I don't know. It's not like you owe those people an answer, you know, like like anything like that. I think maybe people... Because I didn't really know... Yeah, it's not like were you the the you know chief of operations you know like there was the the, most part right like but was there like like how people have definitive titles i think people just didn't know that right like or you know and and that was always my perspective of it you know just yeah uh, uh you know just from like hearing stuff it's just like what like what does jack do for that like like you know like a lot obviously you know uh uh at the you know even under, you know, uh, beneath, you know, uh, behind the curtain and, and whatnot. But um, I also think, like I said, you know, I think that's also a, um, just something with, within the hobby, right? For and sure. We'll all, I think and, and we'll all answer, you know, we can all, you know, know this, that we, it is so easy to literally, uh, you know, engage in any conversation with the artisan themselves yes yeah whether it is you could you know you could just be a small mom and pop shop or in in some cases the quote-unquote ceos of the company the (laughs) founders if you will and like what other hobby can you say you have that kind of access so quickly and easily you know for people i can't think of one you know you can't yeah like no and like there, there might be some really small niche hobbies where it's like that, you know, maybe. Um, 
but I think with that kind of um, accessibility, you know, for for a lot of people, um, sometimes maybe they just expect it, like in in other facets, you know. Yeah. Regardless of whether they understand that or not. And I I think it's fair for people to kind of how did he go from there to there? It makes a lot of sense to me, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how it happened anyway. Um, it. It was fun while I was there. Uh, it really gave me a greater insight as to how the business side of the community works. And uh, I think it ultimately has made me a better content creator as well. Mm. Because I can almost, if there isn't something I like, kind of like on the production side of something, I there's part of me that can kind of draw back from that experience and kind of understand why that could be the case. But uh, I I wouldn't have changed accepting the job. I wish it worked out because I I love that company still, honestly. But um, ultimately, everything happens for a reason, I think. And uh, we're both where we are at this point. I know we've been talking for a while now, Jack, and um, and kind of as we're winding things down. I would love to hear um, what is one prediction that you have for the coming year in, in wet shaving. We'll just leave it wide open, whether it's a broad prediction, a very, very specific one. It can do with hardware, software, artists, what, what, you know, I, I, it's an open book. Uh, I'd love to hear a prediction and I'll, I'll give you a, a little bit of time to think about that too, since I'm kind of just oh, springing that on you. I'm just springing that on you. Well, here's a prediction. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of more kind of collaborations from people not directly involved in our hobby. We saw it a bit this year. Uh, Zaharoff did a collaboration with Gentleman's Nod. And as you alluded to me earlier, uh, Imaginary Authors, Noble Otter. Um, I think we're going to start seeing that quite a lot more. Um, I mean, it makes sense that you get experts in scent making, making sense for things that are supposed to be scented. It just makes sense. Um, <laughs> sense. Last, last sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, I think that will happen a lot. I also think, uh, I think soap bases ultimately have only really scratched the surface of the ingredients that can be put inside of them. Um, some artisans have started exploring like really high quality skincare ingredients. Mm-hmm it's not been used quite as much as you would expect considering the cost of soap now. Um, Soap can be a lot more expensive because it contain, it can contain quite a lot more, I guess, exotic skincare ingredients. We can see a lot more of that um, as artisans try and outdo each outdo themselves with different bases. Yeah. And a rud starts to dictate the market again. So, um, that, that that's a compliment to Rudd's, by the way. He absolutely does that. I'm I'm certain of it. Like, if he gets sent a soap and it gets a really high shave score, loads of people are buying that soap. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure of it because yeah, for people. Sure. Might, I imagine some people that are almost like I want to get the latest and greatest of X. Almost rely on that shave score, or that massively influences their decision. So you're going to see a lot of. I think we'll see a lot of advancements, or at least additions to soap bases being kind of like exotic ingredients and stuff like that. Like I said, I only think we've really only scratched the surface of that. And uh, mm. the bigger collaborations with kind of like indie fragrance houses, I'd love a slumber house um, collab. I, I really would. Uh, but you know, it's fragrances are quite expensive. Yeah. So just, just someone do it and I'll buy it from you. Okay. I promise. <laughs> but, uh, I'd I'd love to see that. Um, it's exciting, really. I think there's there's loads of things that could happen over the next year. Um, I guess it remains to be seen what does happen, especially given the difficult business operating space at the moment. Like we've seen a lot of companies uh, like switch towards bombs as alcohol and stuff has been difficult to get a hold of. Like Barrister Man is one that ultimately comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, his, the balm is fantastic, by the way. You've probably used it, right? Oh, it's great, yeah. So short, I'm looking forward to it? see. 
Yeah. Have you used it? Oh, okay. oh you've got it there. Okay. Ooh, a good one. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, there's, there's lots of room for product development and I'm very excited to see what happens over the next year, but it's important to not buy everything. And I need to remind myself of that. <laughs> like, those are very good predictions. One that is uh, very challenging to your current I think a uh, very good, like controlled <laughs> version yeah. of your shave then, but sure. uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think very, very solid predictions, Jack, but. Uh, Do you guys have any? Hmm. I think, you know, it's not, I don't, it goes along this kind of the same lines, but I think just men's grooming in general is just um, maybe within the hobby, it's, it's, it's growing, but I think even in the, in just the regular market in your stores, like your, your beauty supply stores, the men's section is not going away and it's not getting any smaller, you know? That's, that's such a valid point. I, I think um, kind of touching on that, something I discussed kind of on the other podcast I was on a lot was making these artisan grade. This is a whole other section. I'm sorry if you're going to edit yeah. this in, but it's uh, making these artisan grade um products consumable for the everyday person that that loads of things is involved in that you know it's making them more usable it's to some degree could be making the sense less complex that would be digestible palatable for everyone yeah um and ultimately it would be understanding kind of like the operational side of getting it to all of these places i think that's when you really see the kind of explosion of the hobbyist side of stuff because we're yet to see how that works that's how you take the step one more step ahead, you know, is finding a way to supply everyone with your soap, not quite just the hobbyists. It'd be interesting to see how that transpires. I hope it does as well. Mm. I mean, to scale it to that, to that kind of size, I mean, you, I would hope that nothing is sacrificed, but I feel like something has to be just to make it, yeah, just, just to make it easier, you know, uh, you know, for the, excuse me, for, for the artisan slash, you know, business owner, uh, you know, to begin with. But yeah, I, I, I mean, and I feel as hobbyists, we're always like, we're like the first people in line, you know, for the new iPhone. We're the ones, you know, literally kind of going through the ringer, you know, we buy it first. We're the ones like saying, oh, this is what's good about it. This is, you know, what's the same or, or whatnot. And then you know, I think that um, just our use and I don't, I don't want to say expertise, but um, just the the role of the you know the first buyers, the 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 people in you know in, that are willing to wait in line for those items, um, that are that are have their phones you know alarm set for when a drop happens, uh, you know that nine o'clock you know whatever it is midnight easter or noon easter and when something's going to happen um i think ultimately yeah it will it can grow the hobby because we're going to direct where where it goes more than anything i I think so i think i think uh, i like i alluded to just now i think a big part of it is making it more usable for everyone because um, and that's that's also like there's definitely the hobbyist side of things, which you know that there are those cosmetic grade ingredients. A soap that lends itself to shelf life probably doesn't need all that exotic stuff in it. It needs to be fairly simple. It needs to be ultimately long lasting. And I think uh, the current artisan space will have to adjust to that if they want to go over to that. Um, it, it'll be a bit of an adjustment for sure. But I think there are some people that could do it. Uh, maybe not now, but as businesses on average start to grow, you'll see the uh, the want to kind of push out and do that. I'm surprised we've not seen some of the larger scale razor makers do it, to be honest, like a Rockwell or mm. even Supply. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I reckon they could consider doing. This is a really big passion of mine. It's the idea of how to grow this yeah, thing. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I think it starts, for me, it will start at the top. The, the companies that have the ability to make more volume yeah. and then it will then be- become possible because I don't think many people have really been able to do it thus far. Um, 
and then you'll you'll eventually see you know oh, I, I remember seeing that company four years ago and now they're in target or something i hope so that'd be fantastic oh uh, yeah yeah like Rock, rockwell or, or supply at a walmart or target the fact yeah, that they're they're better poised i think most companies i can think of off the top of my head uh well, to, yeah. to, to right to, to scale to that level i joke sure. i joked about it you know doing uh uh, the West Coast shaving videos. So, like when I fir- when I first was doing the videos, I did a video on Cremo, and it is the most popular video on the Daily really? Shave series. Wow! Like, and like, like it's it's. It, I know it's in the five figures. I know it's in the ten thousands in terms of views, <laughs> and but but they don't carry it anymore because. Um, uh, West Coast Shaving doesn't carry Cremo anymore because Cremo is also you can buy it at Target and Walmart. Yeah, and it they they their contracts grew so fast that they basically said, oh yeah, if you want to carry us, you have to put in an order of like ten thousand, like damn, yeah, two the, the, the minimum the minimum buy right so, was... some something stupid you know and whatnot, and right yeah like you know um, I think them. Um, another p- person I, uh, you know, we've I've seen um, uh, in like big big box stores is uh, Pacific Shaving. Yeah, uh, mm. also based out of California. I, I've seen them in Target as well. Mm-hmm. Good and products. Sure, yeah, yeah, and I'm Agreed. sure that I'm sure that you know it's probably a similar situation. So, you know, again, it's just going to be a matter of volume, ease, um, looks to a certain degree. Um, you know, as well, but yeah, I, I think, you know, you're definitely right. It's probably a, a, a mixture of a little bit of everything plus that X factor of, you know, what's it, what's it going to take? Is it going to take something like you said, a supply, uh, a Rockwell, you know, doing a quote unquote budget, affordable, easily mass produced, you know, mass market item um, for it to take off? It's difficult, isn't it? Because I think encouraging the everyday person to use one blade where you could visibly have to handle the blade and yeah. put yeah. it in a razor is actually a bit intimidating. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. we need to figure a way to bridge that because I remember when I first tried to encourage my wife to use a safety razor, she said, no, that has a dangerous blade <laughs> in it. But then I was like, don't you realize your razor uses four dangerous blades? You just don't <laughs> need to touch them. That's the difference here. Like once it's in the razor, you don't really need to worry about it. And uh, I think that's going to be something, especially on the razor side, uh, that we will have to eventually think about how to do the marketing for that. But I think supply and companies like Supply and Rockwell have already started doing that already. Yeah. Um, and they've supply have done tremendously well over the past couple of years. Yep, shark tank, a, right, shark, shark tank appearance. A lot of it is systemizing, like a, to a degree, like they're not just selling a razor, they're selling you a solution to a problem. Uh, and mm. ultimately, I think that's how we do it. Do you understand what I mean? Like, they're not just selling you a razor, they're selling you a solution to the poor shaves right. you're having. Yep, yep. And, uh, and I think that's and like how it said, work. Especially with, you know, them you know, you're right. Some people are afraid of, you know, like handling the blade. So, you know, doing an injector style, modern injector. Exactly. It's, you know, they're just like, look how cool this is. Um, You know, injector blades are more expensive than, you know, double, uh, double edge blades, but they're still cheaper than cartridges. (laughs) They last longer though. Yeah. They're cheaper than cartridges. And then I, and I, I don't know if you guys have seen the advertisements at least last year, I was seeing something just like here, you know, free blades, you know, like with supply, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do something. Which makes sense, though, because if they're buying, they're probably buying those blades in extreme bulk yeah, to make it worth it. And then they're selling you a razor that they probably make a decent markup on mm-hmm. because of where they're getting it made. And then they're making a large markup on the razor. They're making X amount of profits. That blades is basically a, what was the word? Um, it's basically to make people think they're getting something extra or for free. It's a, yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's a an extra incentive. incentive. 
yeah yeah it's an incentive it's you know little it's the it's the little advertisement it's the you know buy it's one freebie one. that's not a freebie exactly yeah. yeah and that will sell people for yeah sure. for sure kind of adding on uh to jack uh what you said in gerard i think like the piece of the puzzle so and gerard mentioned this way back uh, i think when we first started recording but a celebrity face whether it's like yeah. for we're talking about supply right that would that would do just fine but some sort of celebrity face attached to traditional shaving where they are someone who's benefit so i'm thinking like george foreman grill not quite in that way because like like you said jack you're you want to lead with the problem it's solving and you can either go the environmental route right that that's one way that people that have right what that's one way that are, definitely has gained traction um especially i think amongst amongst women and then um i think i think the whole thing's irritation like i think every single person we've talked about uh, uh how they got into wet shaving is like my face is getting messed up by how i'm shaving and part of it is learning proper technique other times just the four blades the five blades the vibrating heated six blades whatever it is now is just you know it's not for most people's faces so like i, I think that's you know what you mentioned that like start with the lead with the problem that you're fixing and if you like slap on a celebrity face who's there whether for educational or just like promotion just get noticed like oh i didn't know these team still made these john i i I was gonna say uh or sorry jack uh i was gonna say that you know um i don't know if you know but uh rick from pawn stars has a double-edged razor yeah he was a celebrity face for all bald men and how dare you how dare you forget him uh in this this thing sorry pawn stars in this whole ordeal (laughs) you know um you know shout out to to chumley and the gang over there and stuff like that but (laughs) i mean i i still say that right um i would also add on you saw this recently with, with um, Kylie Jenner and Champion sportswear hoodies. Yeah. Or, or, or hoodie, right? Like Champion was literally Kmart brand. You, It was the generic cotton hoodie that you would buy at Kmart. She wears it and now it's stupid like priced streetwear. They're charging like $100 for these hoodies. And, I'm, and, and I just couldn't it just it's so wild but maybe something like that has to happen yeah um who do you do it with though for the mass market it depends right, right. who you're trying to target right because mm. the, the, that's a whole different conversation because nick offerman oh you, you don't want to go with someone you don't want to go with someone too old yeah because I, you're I, trying to get like a younger target market as well because remember people start shaving at like 17 yeah. 18 in theory so you're trying to appeal to that market for me it would be someone in sports i was thinking the same thing especially if it's like a gillette leading it they have the connections right get a get a um maybe a recently retired sports star because you know in in the grand scheme of things that's not too old and someone who might actually care like you know who cares about skincare men who are you know not college age guys but maybe more in your 30s 40s and and up uh, upwards no. But then the argument could be led with maybe you should care if you're in college. Uh, start, um, start early kind of thing. I, yeah. Will, yeah. I will say it yeah. now. Patrick Mahomes. Yes, okay. that's who I was thinking. Well done. Right. We've so, done already. Okay. Mm. So Absolutely. And, you know, it's like Make we're, it happen. we're doing their work for them. Okay. And yeah. any, any razor maker, anyone, go be the sponsor for Patrick Mahomes. And go make Absolutely. your money and give him your razor, get a pack of DE blades or injector, whatever, whatever blades are supply. Go do it. Go, yeah. go do, go do some work. Um, and just kick it off, you know, from there and on the opposite end, screw it. Give it to Tom Brady, you know, yeah. as well, because you know, oh, yeah. that's, the super, that's the Super Bowl this year. Look what he did with so, Uggs, you know, <laughs> Uggs yeah. for men. It's crazy, isn't it? Like how these things work. But then again, like if you think about that logically, that's kind of what these artisans are doing now, but just to a much smaller scale, right? Yeah. Like they're giving it to people that have, you know, so to speak, clout within the community. Like giving Paul H a razor, that's basically what you're doing, but just within a hobbyist community. Sure, sure. 
influence the that upscale kind of stuff? then would be yeah so the upscale i think then would be giving it to large, much larger influencers uh outside of the wet shaving community you could do that by uh the sustainability community um yeah. uh, and like the male grooming community care. yeah yeah uh, care like grooming. alpha m people like that did you see remember one blade do you remember the uh pivoting yep. one blade yep they did it with alpha m for a while oh they did that would i think be the companies in this industry because i don't know if it's targeted advertising on social media and shark tank couldn't have hurt of course but yeah yeah i think that's mostly what it was it's a really interesting conversation to have i hope it <laughs> happens someday i hope so too i think that brings us to the end of today's episode jack it's been such a pleasure just hearing have you know your experience uh, at Carve content creation and more. So thank you so much for your time and joining us uh, for today's episode of Lather Talk. Thank you for having me, and uh, it's a pleasure to be on and chat to you guys for the you know hour and a bit we have. Uh, I'll be on. I'm happy to come back on kind of whenever you guys ever yes. want me. If you do, a- absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of our conversations today really lend themselves to a kind of a roundtable discussion. Sure. So I think I'll definitely keep you in the back pocket and see if we can do this, maybe surrounding a, a particular topic. Uh, so a lot, a lot of great ideas, I think, coming from our conversation with you today. So thank you so much, Jack. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Lather Talk. You can find all the links for Jack and the Virtual Groom Room in the show notes. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and hope to catch you next episode. Thank you.